Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Happy Monday. Welcome to Marriage Helper Live on December 9th, 2019. We're so happy that you've joined us today, whether you're joining on Blog Talk or Facebook or YouTube Live, or maybe you're watching this later as a podcast or listening to this later as a podcast. Either way, we are so glad that you have joined us. And the first part of today, we're going to be talking about a saying that honestly should go right along with many other sayings that if we were to say it, um, they sound really good when you hear it, but if you dive in deeper, it doesn't actually hold any merit or really make much logical sense. And that saying that we're going to talk about today is, if you love someone, let them go. Now, the thing about this saying is it does sound really nice. You're right, you know, if, if I just let them go and then they come back, that's the rest of the saying. If they come back, then that's how I know that it's to be for sure. And there might be times in certain relationships, a relationship that's just starting off with dating or something like that, where you could heed this advice and it might make sense and it might work out for you in the long run. But unfortunately, a lot of times when this saying is said by, it might be coming from a friend or a family member who's saying it to someone who they see that's in a long-term committed relationship, such as marriage, and they see that person getting hurt. They see that person having to fight for their relationship and it's not working out the way that they want it to. And so this well-meaning person says to them, well, if you love your husband, just let them go. Let them go be with that other woman. Let them go chase that lifestyle that they want to chase after. And if they come back, then, then you know it's meant to be. But if not, then you know that you can move on. And, yeah, and there are various versions of that. Let them go. If they come back, they're yours forever. They're yours If they don't come forever. back, they were, they were never yours to begin with. And that is, well, actually, there's a two word. There is a two. I there's was going to say it. There's a two-syllable word that comes to my mind. It starts with a B and ends with a T. Yes, that word. Crapshoot is maybe another, <laughs> another way to put it. But as I was thinking about this this morning, Joe, here's exactly what I thought. I thought, you know what? I love my almost three-year-old son. And you know what he loves to do? Run towards cars in the road. If I love, and I understand it's a different context, but in this same process of thinking, well, if I love him, then I should just let him go chase what he loves, chase what he loves to do. But me being the person who's seeing the hurt that he could get himself into, that he could cause, I love him enough to rescue him from that. And so it applies also with marriages. If I see my husband He's maybe he's in love with someone else or he's chasing after a lifestyle that I know is going to end up being to his detriment. Why would I just completely let him go? Why would I not do what I can to try and fight for him and rescue our relationship? Now, here's what I do think holds merit to it. And perhaps this is the way that the phrase should be said. If you love someone, let go of controlling them. 
Yeah, control never works at all. It never works. The control actually pushes people away. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have to think. I, I saw on Facebook a year or two ago, somebody posted, you know, I have uh, the maximum Facebook friends is 5,000. Yes, you rub the, it in all the time. No, no, no. I'm just saying, <laughs> of the, of, I'm happy it's just 5,000. <laughs> because most of the people who are my Facebook friends, I don't really know. Right. They, they've heard me speak or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and some guy posted, and I didn't really know him, but he posted, my wife wants to leave. She wants to go find herself, spread her wings. And because I love her so much, I'm letting her go. And then people underneath that were posting things like, oh, you're so loving. You're so kind. You're so gracious. And I really wanted to post that uh, two-syllable word. It starts mm-hmm. with a B and a T. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking this. Either A, you don't really want her there. And this mm-hmm. is your excuse to let her go where other people are actually on your side. Mm-hmm. Or B, you have no backbone and strength at all. Mm-hmm. Because if you truly, truly, truly love someone, you just let them walk away. No, you're right, Kimberly. We do not try to control or nominate. Right. Because that doesn't work. It works against you. But just to say, if that's what makes you happy, mm-hmm. go do that. Right. Is idiotic. It is idiotic. Mm-hmm. But people struggle with it. And I do get that. There's this struggle of, well, if they're wanting to walk out anyway, if they're wanting out of the relationship, then how do I balance this tension between not trying to control them and get them to stay versus just letting them walk out the door? And it is hard. Sure it is. And that's why we, among other things, we do a lot of things to help people, a Mm -hmm. lot of resources. And one of the resources is uh, a course we do online we call Mm -hmm. Save My Marriage, Mm -hmm. where we're teaching people, okay, rather than just accepting the fact that he or she walked away, Mm -hmm. don't control, don't, don't try to clean, don't try to right. make them do things, but there's certain things that you can do if you want to stand for your marriage sure. that, that have a great influence and have a great likelihood of causing this person to rethink these things, turn around and come back. So we're not saying that you don't let them go in the sense that you pull a pistol and say, if you try to leave me, right. no, 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 that's bad. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. But what we're saying is don't just give up. Mm-hmm. That right. what you do, there are certain principles or certain things you can do that create the possibility. As a matter of fact, in, in many cases, not just the possibility, but the probability mm-hmm. that the person will come back to you and that you can save the relationship. Mm-hmm. And if a couple goes through a major crisis, whatever the major crisis might be, and if they get to the other end, the other side of it, where they can make the marriage good again, inevitably, the marriage is stronger and better than it was before. So if, you, if people are thinking, well, if they want to go, then even if we did put it back together, it'll never be again what it was, we say, good. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to be, again, what it was. That's you right. want it to be better, stronger, more fulfilling than you ever thought it could have been. That's right. You know, this past weekend, we had an amazing workshop that was here, right here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. We had 23 couples just, I I, I have not done um, part of our workshop in a while with maternity leave and things like that, but stepping back in and getting involved, I just, I was reminded of how much I love these people mm-hmm. that we get to meet, that we get to serve in our workshops. And by the end of the first day, I already was seeing couples who were saying, we don't have to go back home and mm-hmm. have the same marriage that we came here for. They were already seeing a vision of how things could be different. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we are, we do 26 of these workshops a year. Mm-hmm. So you guys can know, and, and they're averaging probably 25 to 27 couples per workshop somewhere in there, at least there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have 26 that we've already scheduled for next calendar year, 2020. Mm-hmm. We wish we could tell people that if they came to the workshop, we have 100% success in helping people save their marriages, but we don't yet. We consistently, and we've been doing this for 20 years, 
have been able to help couples to the point that three out of four couples mm-hmm. actually do turn it around and save their marriages. We wish it were all four out of four couples mm-hmm. at 100%. And maybe someday we can find some way to help people do that. But but people still make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Now, but uh, even yesterday, I, I did this particular workshop. I led this particular workshop. Uh, Kimberly then came in and did a section of it. But uh, this couple walked up to me, a, a very nice couple. They look to be 45-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't really tell how old people are because I'm 100. But this couple <laughs> this couple came up to the end, and she looked at me, and he was with her. He's standing there, and she said, she said, I walked into this workshop on Friday saying there's no hope. I came just because they asked me to mm-hmm. and offered a deal, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And now I see how we can do it. Mm-hmm. We can actually save this marriage. Mm-hmm. And so, great. I'm glad that he stood for his marriage rather than exactly. saying to her, well, you just go. And if you come back, you'll be mine forever. And if you don't come back, you never were mine to begin with. He didn't try to control or dominate, but he did do the things he needed to do. And now that marriage is going to make it. They will have some work to do. Yeah, absolutely. But that marriage is going to make it. I love it. You know, with this, as we're about to go into our first callers, my takeaways are if you love someone, you might need to let go of some expectations that you have, Mm -hmm. (laughs) some expectations of what you thought your marriage should be or think, or there's some expectations that probably need to be reevaluated. If you love someone, you might need to let go of control. Absolutely. If you love someone, there's definitely some things that you might need to let go of, but please don't let go of them. And and I guess we've said it enough. I'm becoming too redundant, not to control or dominate, Mm -hmm. but to do the things you need to do that Mm -hmm. has the, that will have the influence of being able to lead this person back into the marriage and saving it. That's what love is. That's so are we ready is. for the first call of We are ready. Okay. Now, it's spelled in such a way that I'm going to pronounce it Elise, but she might call it Alice. She's in Missouri. So is it Elise or is it Alice? It's Alice. Thank you so much okay. for having me on the show. I'm very happy to have you, Alice. How may we help you? Okay. Um, my husband and I have been married for 11 years. I am his fifth wife. I waited five years before marrying him. I lasted seven years longer than any of the others. Um, Usually his last two wives were 15 years older. His mom left him when he was about five and didn't return till he was a freshman in school. Um, Mm. He had a lot of fights and stuff, and he is a severe alcoholic, um, drinking anywhere from 27 beers in nine hours, and now he's turned to whiskey. Um, He has moved downstairs and um, states that he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be married anymore. He doesn't want to do this anymore. And I have been, and I have been working on the pies. I have tried mm-hmm. to control my behavior, but I'm the type of person that I do not put up with things that are unethical, illegal, that type of stuff, like drinking and driving or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, he has um, continually lied to me about everything. Um, he made three times his normal pay in a month and just spent like $6,400 on nothing. Um, Mm. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. He says he loves me. He will always love me, but he can't do this anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. He'll never kiss me again or hold me and help. (laughs) Okay. That's my question. I mean, when he says he can't do this anymore, do what, what is it? He says he can't do anymore. He can't answer that question. I, he can't be married anymore. He doesn't want to be married anymore. Is so that because I'm of accountability? Sure. Like, you're, is it that he wants to go live this this lifestyle that's destroying him without anybody confronting him? Is that what he's saying? 
I think that's what it is because of the fact that I do um, get into arguments with him over Mm -hmm. um, things that he does or says to Mm -hmm. other people. You know, that's Mm -hmm. very, very not nice at all, very rude. And I do Mm -hmm. not put up with the drinking and driving. And that's caused a lot of conflict uh, between Mm -hmm. us because I'm not. But you're doing the right thing. I don't drink. Right. Yeah, but you're doing the right um, thing. Letting him drink and drive is terrible. Has he, as far as you know, ever been into rehab or ever gone to Alcoholics Anonymous? No, he will never go. He says he loves beer too Mm -hmm. much. He won't do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And so has anybody ever tried doing a real official intervention with him, as far as you know? No. Okay. Are there people in his world that have influence with him that have some way to, to, uh, well, I'll just leave it at influence, that would be willing to do an intervention to get him to go either into rehab or AA? Are there any people like that? I have talked to his father about this, and basically mm-hmm. his father's like, hey, he's, an, he's a man, he's an adult, you know, he'll do whatever he wants mm. to. I have no influence over him. And it's like, but you're supposed to be the role model here to help take care of him so that, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't kill, hurt himself, do something mm-hmm. like that. And, and mm-hmm. my husband has absolutely everything he could possibly want. You know, and I've I've bought mm-hmm. it for him, um, tools and stuff. I've always tried to be loving. I've always been very supportive mm-hmm. of him, and I just don't understand. I think, and my two of my questions that I had um, wanted to ask okay. was, he does not take responsibility for his actions that he does, and he okay. likes to blame me for stuff, or he'll turn okay. it around. I guess it's gaslighting. And the other thing is, how do I deal with this person that I love very, very much, and I don't want to give up on the marriage, but sometimes I feel like I have no other option. Mm-hmm. I so understand that. I guess the first question is, how do I get him to realize that he's doing wrong? Take responsibility for your own actions. Okay. You may never accomplish that. I mean, it's possible. You may, but you may not. Understand that that no matter what we say to another person, no matter what we do, he... In this case, it's a he. It could be a he or she. He always gets to make the final choices. And if a person chooses not to take responsibility for his actions, like blaming it on you, blaming it on others, if a person does that always, it's basically a, a, a character flaw. Like, nothing's my fault. It's always somebody's fault. And there may be some hints to that in the way that his father reacted to this. Like, he's a grown man. Let him take care of himself. Hmm. Makes right. me wonder what kind of childhood came from that and whether he mm-hmm. was ever called to responsibility and accountability. If he were left to his own, uh, we could go into a really detailed conversation of what's called parenting styles here. And if, indeed, he were truly left on his own, dad, mom, the, the people that should have influenced him when he was younger, then this has been going on for a long time. If I may ask, how old is he? He just turned 50. Okay, just turned 50. And so, Atlas, as we look at this, we understand two things. One is you cannot make him become responsible. He is responsible. We know that. But you can't make him accept that responsibility. I would suggest, I would suggest the following. That you, first of all, go to our website, uh, Marriage Helper. That's Marriage Helper, MarriageHelper.com. And when you do so, look for the intervention page. Kimberly, on our new website, I know we just redid it. Mm-hmm. Is there still a search uh, feature there where people can type an in intervention yep. on it? Okay. Caroline is saying yes. <laughs> Caroline's right over there. And Caroline, she knows all about that website. She's worked on it intently. And so or it, go there and look for intervention. It'll lead you to a page. There are two 45-minute audios 
and there's also a PDF that you can download. And it's based on the Alcoholics Anonymous system of how they do interventions. And I recommend that you look at it. Now, it's broader than just alcohol because when people call us, sometimes it's a infidelity. I mean, there are a lot of other things. Sure. Download that, read it. And if there are people in this world, and it may not be dead. As a matter of fact, it sounds like it won't be dead. But if there are other people in this world that, that have influence over him and that can affect what he does, then you call those people together. You get them to read those documents and, and you have them then practice because people that don't practice never do it right. And they never do. Oh, we know how to do this. We, we skim through that. We know how to handle it. We'll go and they bomb. They fail every single time. It's actually a point of arrogance to think we don't need anybody right. to tell us how to do this. We can right. do it. That's just arrogant. Understand that there are people who are experts in this and the AA people are those experts. And that's mm-hmm. where we first got that model and modified it a little bit, to make it broader than just alcohol. The second thing you need to understand then this is, is uh, Alice is this. You will make a decision as to whether you continue to live with him or not. If indeed no intervention can take place or if it takes place and doesn't do any good. If you can't get him into AA, if you can't get him into rehab, those kinds of things, and he's still drinking like this, then you have to make a decision. Do I live with him and tolerate this or do I move away from him to let him know I'm not going to be here to watch you kill yourself, nor am I going to be here to watch you kill other people. Now, we are pro-marriage. We're not for divorce. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people have to have to be shown the consequences of their behavior. It has to be demonstrated to them. Mm-hmm. So in addition to going and looking at that, uh, the intervention on our website, Marriage Helper, MarriageHelpyR.com, I also recommend that you uh, find our blog post called The Definitive Guide to Boundaries. Now, we don't call them boundaries anymore, but this was what we called them back when I did this. Is that on Blog Talk Radio as well, I think, or is it Spreaker? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I know it's on our website. It's on our website. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Definitive Guide to Boundaries. It's about an hour and 15 minutes of teaching about how do you set boundaries and what kind of consequences do you bring into bear into play if indeed the person violates those boundaries. Now, again, we have different words for that now that we think are much better, but that will give you the gist of how to do those things. And so, Alice, it really comes down to this. You can't control him. You can't make anything different. So your decision has to be, do I just live with it? continuing to try when I know that I'm making no progress whatsoever, mm-hmm. or do I choose to show him the consequences of his behavior and do something different, like throwing him out of the house or whatever it might be. And I know, I know we're typically not for that. So I'm not trying to get people to end marriages, but you may have to make something occur here for him to realize the consequences. Now you said the, she said he was the fifth wife. She was the fifth mm-hmm. wife. Is that correct? And I'm uh, imagining that this drinking has been going on for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to love somebody, but you must understand that no matter how much you love them, you can't make them be what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. It's hard. It really is. Anything you'd like to add to that? No. <laughs> okay, we're going to go then to North Carolina, and we're going to, go, going to go to Matthew in North Carolina. Hi, Matthew. How are you today? I'm doing well, Doctor. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you. So my, my question is, I found out about my wife's second um, affair beginning of October. Hmm. I had to leave out of town for a month. The affair um, was over um, at that point. I busted her, and it, I made it public, and everyone knows. So it was mm-hmm. over at that point. Um, during the time frame, 
before I left, we made a decision that I wasn't going to make any decisions until I got back from my month long work trip. Mm-hmm. Well, during that month long work trip, I found out about what my legal options were. And pretty much the, the first option was a basic um, divorce pretty much would make her destitute. It, it was the worst option a, a person could ever have loss of all rights of everything. Um, I decided to take that off the table because she attempted suicide once or twice during that time I mm. was gone. Mm. And um, when mm. I came back, I made the decision to uh, before before I before I came back, I, I told her that my my boundaries right now were that she would be she would go into personalized um, specific therapy. And mm-hmm. that she would give me access to her electronics because she had one of her friends that was telling her not to give me access to electronics so I could validate that she's not making any contact with the affair partner. Backstory mm-hmm. to that is this is not her first affair. I found out in 2010 that she had carried on an affair of a short period of time with an ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. in 2002. I didn't find out till 2010. Subsequently, okay. in therapy afterwards, I found out she had a personality disorder. So How did you find that out? Were the special. Uh, she got diagnosed by our therapist. He was um, uh, a doctor therapist and had the ability to say, "Yes, you're you have a you have mild borderline personality disorder." And he treated me for an entire year to help deal with with her outbursts, deal with her inability to emotionally regulate. And uh, unfortunately, he died. And also, unfortunately, it didn't work. Um, sure. Yeah. So her. So pretty much right. Right now, I have. I have the her personality disorder. If it's not attended to, and I'm going. We're going to a specialist now that specializes in the only therapy that is seems to be good for it. I told her right now we're. I would. I would assume we're in the process of reconciliation. But because mm-hmm. that is a stipulation of carrying on the marriage, that that is managed, that is found, and that is fixed, how do, mm-hmm. how do I manage an extended reconciliation that also has the possibility of not being a reconciliation and a dissolution of the, of the marriage? We've been married 19 years. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at this. There you know, could be six months to a year before I start seeing any real changes in her now. Get to give her credit, she is absolutely super wife right now. She, if she was a quarter of the wife she is now for her entire marriage, I would have been a happy man. And that causes mm-hmm. its own problems with me. So I'm trying to find out, like, how do I manage knowing that there's a possibility that this cannot work? Because that, that's it. If, that, if that's not done, I, she's not a safe person, and I cannot stay with her anymore because she will cheat again. That's part of the, the personality disorder. The person that she's seeing now, is this a licensed professional counselor? Is it a physician? Who is yeah. she seeing now? It's, 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 a, it's a licensed professional therapist that specializes in the only type of okay. uh, it's a DBT, And is she also traditionally yeah. seeing a psychiatrist to have meds to help with this? Uh, no, it was brought up originally um, with our first therapist, and they said mm-hmm. that because she's mild on the spectrum, she, mm-hmm. she, you know, most, many borderlines are very physically reactive, like they hit people and that's not, that's not right. part of her, her things that she does. So, okay. 
We, well, let me we see. Haven't really, right right now, what I heard. Kimberly, tell me if you heard the same thing. What I heard is this. Okay. We have some extenuating circumstances, for example, you know, mild diagnosed borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. For those out there, if you decide you want to know more about it, don't Google it. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> because most of the stuff you're going to run into out there, if you say, I want to look this up and find out what it is, most of the stuff you're going to see is just absolutely wrong. If you're going to, if you're going to get information on things like this, be sure you get it from somebody who knows what he or she's talking about. So mm-hmm. I would trust, like, for example, WebMD as opposed to somebody out there saying, well, yeah. I've read about this. But even there you get into the – Oh, yeah. It's like when I go to WebMD because I have a cold and then I convince myself that I have colon cancer, right? <laughs> so please – Or, or nose cancer. Yeah, some Something, something crazy. So please just don't. Leave it to the professionals. Yeah. Right. So he said that she was diagnosed by us. Okay. And so here's what I'm hearing the question being. That's okay. We know that she has mild personality disorder. Mm-hmm. She's seeing a person that's helping her with that. And apparently he has confidence in that person. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking with a particular approach that this person is using. Mm-hmm. And here's what I heard him say. This person who's helping my wife now is saying it could take six months to a year for all this to work. But at the same time, in the short term, I'm seeing a great deal of improvement. I mm-hmm. don't know that I trust it. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe she's going to go the other way. Mm-hmm. And so the ultimate question, if I'm hearing it correctly, and I want to hear if you heard the same thing, the ultimate question is this. Okay, so if I go through this reconciliation process, and at some point, she begins to move back the other direction because of this uh, person, borderline personality disorder and a mild case of borderline personality disorder, what, about if, what I'm hearing is, is it do I, well, I have put all this effort into it just to find it blowing up in my face. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Is that basically what you heard? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the answer to that would be basically, I understand you have a unique situation, unique mm-hmm. things that you're facing, but it's the same thing anybody does in a reconciliation it process. It really is. It's always, I'm going to do my work. I'm going to do what needs to be done. I'm hoping that you will do your, mm-hmm. your part of it as well. Mm-hmm. But there is no reconciliation process that has an absolute 100% guarantee of it's going to turn out just like we expect it to. Mm-hmm. And so when you take this risk, if you're thinking, I'm going to put all this effort into it and it still may blow up in my face, that really is true for everybody that we work with. Mm-hmm. That's always a possibility of what occurs out there. Now, mm-hmm. if you love her, and he said, what, 19 years? Mm-hmm. If you love her, you've been married for 19 years, and uh, she's hurt you at least twice, the affair in 2002, the more recent one. And I understand that you're putting up boundaries and borders and all those kinds of things I would too as well. But the real question then from me back to you would be, if you love her, is it worth Mm -hmm. you risking being hurt again Mm -hmm. in an effort to rescue her? And that's the question for you. Is it worth it to you to risk the fact you're going to get hurt again Mm -hmm. to, in that process, hopefully be able to put this marriage back together and and it winds up being what it's supposed to be? And nobody can answer that question for anybody except that dumb person. I can't tell Mm -hmm. you if it's worth the risk. I 100% agree. The other thing that's coming to my mind in this is we've worked with people and I've even had a couple of friends where one of the spouses had some kind of diagnosable condition. And Mm -hmm. in these instances, it it can become very easy. And I don't know Matthew or his wife, and I'm not saying that he is doing this. This is Mm -hmm. just for everyone to hear. Um, it It can become easy to start viewing your spouse as sick. Mm-hmm. to view them as having the problem to view and for everything to kind of stem around, well, this is because of their issue. They, mm-hmm. you know, when I was trained as a marriage and family therapist, that's one of the things they warn against, which is it is the person is the person. They are not their diagnosis. That's correct. They're not what's going on within them. And so mm-hmm. my encouragement would be continue to see her as your wife, mm-hmm. a woman who is separate and apart from these extra things, because 
it's still hard, different, but still hard for the couples who get married and then their husband or wife ends up getting paralyzed. You know, mm. that it's still a person and it's still extenuating and it's still hard. It's different. And I get that there's hurt involved with the borderline personality issue that's, that's going on. But, but I think they're a lot more similar than we also might think. So that's my encouragement. Mm-hmm. So make the decision. Mm-hmm. You may get hurt. That is absolutely true. In your mind, do you love her enough? Is there enough history in those 19 years that you think is worth the risk? And only you, only you can decide that. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to Illinois and we're going to talk to Connie. Connie, are you there? Connie, are you there? Yes, Hello. I'm here. Hi. How may we help you, Connie? First of all, I attended your workshop this weekend, and I truly mm. appreciate everything that you and your family have done. You are mm. definitely an inspiration to others. Um, mm. I, I don't know if you remember me and my husband. He called himself Bob. Um, <laughs> yes. But, uh, yes, I do remember. <laughs> we remember. Okay. Uh, just for the Bob. people out there understanding, he has an unusual first name. And when, I, when, when I looked at his name tag and asked him how to pronounce it, he said Bob. It was hilarious. Yes, <laughs> I do remember that. All right, Connie, so how may we help you? Well, the problem I have is two weeks before Thanksgiving, I gave him an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Um, all along, he um, has I've been in contact with her. It's limited. And he finally, he said, I, I'm in contact with her every single day. And he was very smug and complacent about it, which was mm-hmm. hurtful. And um, mm-hmm. so I told him, I said, it's totally against all my morals. It was disrespectful to me and the children for him to continue his actions. And mm-hmm. I told him he asked if he's going to continue to contact her that he needs to move out. If he wants to work on a marriage, then he has to stop talking to her. And he mm-hmm. said, I misunderstood their friendship. So mm-hmm. I, I told him, I said, when you plan a future with them, when you tell them that you love them, you talk about intimate, you know, mm-hmm. contact with each other. He said it was not right. sexual. I said, that's not a friendship. And I said, you're going to have to decide if you want her friendship more than me. So Mm -hmm. he said, well, if you want me to move out, and I said, no, I'm not asking you to move out. I'm telling you it's your choice. So um, Mm -hmm. he had something that weekend, and he said, I'll move out next week. So, of course, two days later, I sent him a text, and I said, out of respect to the children, I don't want to ruin their Christmas. You can stay till the end of the holidays. Okay. So... We went to your workshop, and I know that mm-hmm. was probably not the right thing to tell them, um, that we need to, you know, try to work it out. But I was so hurt, and this is going on for 18 months, and he mm-hmm. constantly belittles me and, you know, devalued our marriage mm-hmm. if it was not important at all. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's why that's why I did that. But so now I'm in a place where I gave him an ultimatum, so I'm not sure what to do about the ultimatum now. Okay. Did you, uh, since the workshop, since it just ended last night, since the workshop, have you guys talked any mm-hmm. about these things? Since no, well, then? We talked about the workshop and different things that we have learned, but we did not talk about our relationship because okay, I wanted to end it on a happy note. I didn't, I was, just mm-hmm. in case it went there, I didn't want it to end badly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So but I, I do know that we're going to have to address these issues this week. And that Good point. I'm sorry. Come what up. was that? She knows they ha- they're oh, going to have to address them this week, the issues. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I just didn't understand you, Connie. Go ahead. Right. So I, I know we're going to talk about it. And he may, you know, he may have totally different thoughts. I know what he's dealing with right now. He is he's kind of stuck. He knows if he deals with his issues and what's happened, he's going to have to go there. He's going to have to deal with all the hurt and the pain. Mm-hmm. And 
or the consequences of his decisions. And because his children don't know anything, our friends, our family don't know anything, I think he's happy being in this place where he doesn't have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Yeah, mm-hmm. Many people do that, Connie. We can actually call that the valley. When a person doesn't have to make a decision at all, like I can just kind of cruise through what I'm doing right now, and I kind of have the best of this world and that world, and don't have to make those decisions, we actually call that the valley. And so the ultimate question you're asking is what? The bottom line question here is what, Connie? Well, when you give somebody an ultimatum, if you don't follow through with it, then they can they feel they can take advantage of you and continue, you know, like she's not going to follow through, you know? Right. So I feel mm-hmm. like I, I have to do mm-hmm. something or say something because I did give him an ultimatum. Right. And so is your question is, do you follow the ultimatum? Is that the question? Right. That is correct. Okay. Maybe, uh, let me give you a couple of suggestions here. Ultimatums, you know, sometimes you actually have to do that. When we talk about boundaries, which we really don't do in the workshop per se, mm-hmm. that's something we talk about in other places. In the workshop, we're talking about how to understand. And I'm talking not to Connie now, but to everybody else out there. In the workshop, we talk about help people to understand how do they get to where they are, how did they get to where they are, and, and how kind of a path forward if they go back out. And when people give ultimatums, I would agree, generally speaking, that Connie's absolutely right. If you say, this is the ultimatum, this has to happen, and then you do not enforce it, you do lose some degree of authority. Like, you know, he or she's not going to do what they said they're going to do. But in a situation such as this, you have potentially an and a way to back up without losing credibility. Now, I say potentially because even though I got to meet you and Bob, uh, I keep calling him Bob. Okay, even though I got to meet you and Bob, uh, you know I don't know all the intricacies of what's going on here, but there's a possibility, particularly because of the fact that you just came to the workshop and and we are in the Christmas holidays to go to him and say, remember, mm-hmm. I did modify it to say you can stay until after the holidays. Mm-hmm. I'm going to modify it just a little bit more because we went to the workshop, mm-hmm. and that's this. We will revisit this the second week of January or whenever you want it to be. I would make it very far out into the future. But first week might be a little too early. Second week, we're going to revisit this. And I may stick to my guns that you, if you're going to continue to do this, to move out. But I'm willing to let some time happen between now and then, because we just went to the workshop. They presented a whole lot of material. And, and it's too much to process all at one time. It it takes a while to go through this. And so let's spend the next few weeks. We're going to be busy with the holidays. We're with the kids. And after we've both processed the things we've gone through, let's revisit this. Mm -hmm. Let's talk to each other. And and I'm saying second week of January just by picking a date. Let's talk to each other then. And then based on where you are and based on where I am and the conversation we have and how open and honest we are, we can make a decision then as to whether I'm going to enforce the ultimatum or if we're going to do something different. Now, uh, what I hope happens for you, Connie, is this. Uh, I noticed that he did participate. Uh, of the 23 couples there, they were sitting in a place where I saw them very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did participate. He seemed to pay attention. He listened. And he and I seemed to get along really well. Uh, and not that that's the criteria, but I, if people aren't paying attention, if they're not accepting what we say, then they tend not to get along real well with me. What I mean is that we don't become enemies, but they tend to avoid me. Mm-hmm. He didn't avoid me at all. We actually had some conversations. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that what happens is in the next two or three weeks, as the both as each of you process mm-hmm. uh, what went on in that workshop, that you can actually have that conversation. Now, what she said was, we may wind up talking to each other this week, and, right. and that's fine if you want to have those conversations. But if it were I, and you make your own decisions, 
if it were I, even if you talk about it this week, I'd say, let's talk about it again after the holidays. And I may enforce this. Now, if he's saying, well, it's not physical, I didn't have sex with her, that's actually good. But but I understand you're saying if it's emotional, it's still right. extremely painful. Still can't I mean, be friends. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It can't continue to be a friendship if you're right. going to put this thing back together. So that's my recommendation is, yeah, you can enforce the ultimatum, but you've got a way here to mm-hmm. deal with this where that you can, without losing credibility, because of what's happening in terms of the holiday and the workshop, you actually can buy a little time on this. And and if he makes some progress, maybe already, or in the next few weeks, make some progress, then you may be looking at this a different way. Right. Because the, the intention behind the boundary, or as you saw, you're calling it the ultimatum is, you know, ultimately protect you, but also to restore the relationship and bring it back. And so if there's movement heading towards the restoration of the relationship, he's, you know, he's getting involved back and talking about the things, the aftercare for the workshop, I mean, just different things like that, then, then would you enforcing that ultimatum at that time really lead you towards your end goal, which is to restore the relationship or would it end up pushing him further away? So mm-hmm. one last question, Connie, and we really have to move on. So I'm sorry. One last question. Did you guys yes. happen to art, uh, sign up for coaching? Do you know? I, I have not, but I do plan on. Okay. I recommend that you get with one of our coaches and before you make any more ultimatums or decisions about that, it would Mm -hmm. really be good to be able to process that with one of our coaches Mm -hmm. who can spend more than five minutes with you like we're doing right now Mm -hmm. and help you think those things through. I remember you well, young lady. I was impressed with you (laughs) and I I hope and pray that things go well in your future. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Connie. They were really nice people. They were. They were very nice. I like those people. Okay, now we're going to come right here to the great state of Tennessee. Don't let the people in Texas hear. Don't let them hear that the great state of Tennessee? <laughs> yeah, because they're the great state of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking to Jeff in Tennessee. Hi, Jeff. How can we help you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. How can we help you? Uh, yes. Uh, so about... Five weeks ago, my wife actually uh, she took our children and she uh, she said that she was just done with the with the marriage. Uh, she wanted a divorce and she took the kids and left. Um, that kind of threw me into a state of shock because I've been working on myself since uh, July. Whenever she initially said that um, that things were kind of rocking our relationship, so I've really been working on myself uh, uh, kind of along the lines of your pies chart. But I, I I didn't know you guys at that time, but. And so whenever she uh, told me back about five weeks ago that she was done, it just kind of threw me for a shock. And so uh, she took the kids away from me, told me I couldn't see them, went to her father's house, told me I couldn't come on the property. Uh, long story short, I still, I still went on the property, and we, me and her father uh, got into a verbal argument. And uh, I got sent to jail, and I got slapped with the order of protection uh, with her and the kids. And she's, put, and she's mm-hmm. pushing for a six-month order of protection and two weeks ago, I found out through her Facebook that she's been having um, uh, a sexual affair on me for actually two months, uh, which man just just you know, just, uh, and yeah, just ripped my heart out. And she, even though she has an order of protection, she tells me that she's the only reason why she's still keeping it on there because she wants to feel like she has um, control over the situation. Um, so she still let me see the kids sporadically um, here and there, um, and still talk to them. Uh, so a few uh, this past Thanksgiving, she she brought the kids over and let me have them for two nights, and she actually brought the guy with her because uh, she had opened up and said, hey, she, she had just met a guy. And so at that point in time, I've been working through your guys' program, the Save My Marriage course and the Pies uh, boot camp for a couple weeks at that point. So 
uh, I hugged my kids and sent them inside. And so out of mm. out of strength and confidence, I approached I approached the gentleman, and very ki- kindly, you know, I shook his hand, said, "Hey, my name's Jeff. What do you do for a living?" Kind of just introduced myself to him. And my wife was just kind of in shock how nice I was to this guy, and um, I just told him that, hey, you know, I know that you, you know, you have intentions for my wife, but you know, I'm still not giving up. I still have hope. You know, I love her, and I know I've made a lot of mistakes in our relationship, but um, but uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to win my wife's trust back. And turned around and walked away. And my wife has seen this this drastic change in me over this last several mm-hmm. weeks. So my my question is, you know, she's pursuing the six months. Uh, 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 Order protection, and she says mm-hmm. that she wants to divorce, but she's not filed anything yet. Um, what, mm-hmm. what is it just what? What could I be doing in the six months to really um, to try to win my wife back? You know, just keep working the pies boot camp and everything, or I love that you said that. I love that you did that. I mean, Jeff, it sounds like you know what to do, and it sounds like you have been doing it. Of course, I'll allow Joe to speak in this. Oh, I'm really, really, really waiting for him to put the camera on you so I can scratch my nose. Would you please do that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But Jeff, that is, I mean, that's fantastic. So you're going through the Save My Marriage course. Um, You're working those materials. How far are you into the course? Uh, I think I'm like in week uh, three, I think. I think so. Yes, yes, ma'am. So you have a lot ahead of you in terms of just what you're going to be learning there and, and the practical ways to even to even apply those things. I mean, you know, with her having that restraining order on you, even though she she's lifting it herself, you know, yes, that's, I, I don't know that part of it, the legal advice behind it. No, we can't give legal we advice, but it surely sounds that. like that. If she says restraining order, right. you can't come around, but then she comes around you. Right. And, I, I would think that probably negates the restraining order, but again, we can't give legal advice. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm with Kimberly. I think that your young remarkable strength come in. Mm-hmm. And when you say, okay, we're going to do in these next six months, I think just keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you keep working through the program, gotcha. you're going to, you're going to keep learning more things to do, mm-hmm. but you're doing them yes, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sound to me like, you know, obviously going around, to the point that it caused the restraining order to be put was not a smart thing, but you know that, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Don't do that again. That's yeah. our advice. <laughs> yes. Don't do that again. Don't yes, do ma'am. That. Yeah, I've, I've definitely have, have kept my boundaries, and I actually reached out to her father um, after one of the mm-hmm. court hearings, and I just, you know, oh, cried and just told him that I was really sorry for my actions, but I told him that uh, he was right for doing what he did, and I appreciate him being a good dad, and uh, mm-hmm. that I, I just told him that I'm, I'm owning up to my, my, my mistakes, and um I'm just trying to be a better father for my kids and trying to be the best man I can be for my for my wife. And so, how did how did he react to that? Oh, he actually man, he's he uh, he took it with uh, uh, he accepted like like crazy, which kind of shocked mm-hmm. me. He said, Jeff, you know, I love you, and uh, there's no hard Good. feelings. And but just get yourself Good. get yourself straight, and uh, and uh, we're going to take care of the kids. So yeah. Well, man, I, first of all, I'm impressed. Obviously, the early things you did were kind of rash, but you know that. The things you've been doing since then are very impressive, young man. Mm-hmm. Find a way to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're having a bad day, if you want to do something rashly, find somebody who can help you back off. But what, yes, what we tell people is this. If, if, if anything works, 
this well. If anything works, this will. And I don't know how you could do it any better than what I'm hearing. Now, obviously, if we had an hour, we could ask a lot more questions. We don't. Yes, sir. I know you're hurting. I know you're hurting. I know you love your wife. I know you love your children. Man, you just keep doing the path you're on now. And if anything works, this will. I'm not going to give you false hope. We can't do that. But I'm telling you that yes, uh, I, I couldn't guide you any better than you're guiding yourself right mm-hmm. now, young man. Would you agree, Kimberly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, have sir. some hope. Have some confidence. Have some faith here, my friend. It's uh, You just keep doing this, and somehow things will turn out better than you think. Mm-hmm. I hope it turns yes, out exactly sir. like you want, but at least better than you think. Yes, sir. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right, Yes, Jeff. sir. I appreciate you guys. All right. Thank, thank you. you Jeff. Thank you, my friend. He seems like a really nice guy. You know, sometimes... The, I know they're short conversations, but sometimes we just speak to people and you know that it's a good person, that they're working it, they're doing everything they can, and I want to meet Jeff one day. Yeah, he sounds like kind of he guy. He sounds like a great guy. And, and if you're thinking, if you're listening or watching and you're thinking, yeah, but he rashly went over there, okay, uh, nobody's perfect. No. And, and when your emotions are on edge, you mm-hmm. can do and say some really stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't mean that you can't do it the way mm-hmm. it should be done. It just means, all right, realize what you did that you shouldn't have done, straighten it up and do it the right way. And he sounds like that kind of guy. For Absolutely. Me. And so now let's move to the great state of Texas. Since <laughs> you said I couldn't uh, say anything about the great state of Tennessee. Hey, Sean, <laughs> over there in Texas, how are you, my friend? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. How may we help you do that? Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. So, um, my wife left me four and a half months ago. Um, mm-hmm. She completely ghosted me. She took $46,000 of our marital account, which is 100% mm-hmm. of it, spent half of it in 10 days. Wow. I took, had to take her to court to get half of it back. Um, but, like I said, she pretty much ghosted me, and she's only contacted me three times, and it's only when she's needed something. And the third time was two weeks ago where she wants me to sign the decree. It's done, mm-hmm. and it's very short. We have no business dealings whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here saying to myself, I, I, I've read a lot about the psychology behind ghosting and how emotionally cruel it is and wicked. Let me ask you something, just, Sean. I, I want to know how you're defining ghosting. Let me, tell me what you mean when you say that. I want to make sure we're getting what you're saying. Well, how are you defining sure. ghosting? Well, she's pretty much just dis- – she disappeared without talking to me anything about it and why she's leaving and, and completely refuses to talk to me. I mean, I, I, I understand ghosting comes from a lot of the online dating and stuff like that, but she pretty much treated me like a, uh, someone she met on Tinder a month ago and, and just disappeared. <laughs> and I've known her for almost four years. So that's mm-hmm. how I'm defining it. Okay. Did she say yeah. why she left, or did you already, did you already mention that? No, she didn't. She didn't say why. She just left. I mean, I, I know about her argument in history, one day. but it, but believe me, it's it's one on one communication problems that you guys talk about all the time. It's very fixable stuff. But she just, I'm pretty sure that had a lot to do with it. But we never if had. Never had. Let me ask. How old is she? She's. Uh, I'm 47. She's just turned 35. Okay. And do you know if there's anything? Or anyone out there that she's headed toward? Any lifestyle, any fantasy, any individual, as far as you know? You mean as far as a limerence object? <laughs> uh, it could that? be. If it's, if, it, if it's a person, yeah. But it could. sometimes people don't leave yeah. for another person. Sometimes they leave for a fantasy they're chasing. Sometimes they leave for a lifestyle they want to live. Is there something she's leaving you for, as far as you know? Someone or something? Uh, 
Well, she is an immigrant. Um, she has her temporary two-year green card, but I know she had an emotional affair with a 61-year-old married man at work who has helped her emotionally and financially, but as far as physical or anything like that, I have no clue. Okay. Yeah. Did she use you to get to come to this country? That's a very good, another good question. Um, well, it's fair to say that she did. She has family out here. She wanted to come to the United States. The question is, did she also come here to fall in love and, 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 and be with me indefinitely? Yes. I know she did that too. So okay. it, it, I, I take, I take blame for 51% of the problem on why we're, why we're separated. Okay. I know what my so if she came here because she loves you, what changed? Um, I, I just think over time, um, it was a lot of the communication. It was my controlling and manipulation. It was her immaturity to deal with things emotionally and talk to me about what she was feeling without me feeling defensive. Um, and, you know, just arguing, yelling during arguments. I would raise my voice. She didn't like it. Um, mm. and it was just, it was just like I said, it's just like 101 breakup. It was so ridiculous. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I look at all this stuff and I think how fixable it was. And in fact, the day before she left, we had our first um, marriage counseling session. It did not go well. <laughs> She's gone the next day. Um, mm-hmm. So there was, there, was, there was definitely some sort of move to try to help it. And okay. it, it, yeah. It, and just, so, uh, I, I don't want you to take very long to answer this, but it's a very short answer. Did something happen in the marriage counseling session that uh, motivated her to move away? No, we're just uh, – he was not a good counselor. I don't even know if he was really a marriage therapist, but he allowed us to argue and yell, and he did not allow us to heal before we left. Uh, horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. And so it's silent okay. treatment all the way home. You know how that is. So in other words, this is the guy that's going to help us, and all he did was help us fight. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually – so the more you talk, Sean, it sounds like there was more precipitating factors than originally you stated the question to be. There was – so she had mentioned that there were things over a period of time – that she didn't like when, you know, you would fight the way that you would act. Um, You said that you were controlling. So she didn't just up and leave. There were actually things, even if she didn't say the day of, there were things that led up to this. Oh, absolutely. I I definitely believe that. Okay. For sure. Um, Okay. So I I guess I'm still trying to get at is, you know, based off your topic, should we stand for the marriage? I mean, having gone through this emotional issue here, I've been married before 21 years, Mm -hmm. 15-year marriage, my previous Mm -hmm. wife, Beated on me, and she drank too much. She was an alcoholic. I forgave her, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it did not affect me emotionally. I've went through emotional hell um, for the first two and a half months, and I still suffer from it a little bit, uh, but I'm mostly over it. Does she even deserve to come back to me? I mean, I, I have a hard time thinking that this is someone I should take back in my life if she thinks that I'm not even worth talking to or even giving closure to, you know? If you're going to think in terms of who deserves what, that gets awfully difficult very quickly, my friend, because all of us do things that are stupid and dumb. All of us do things that are selfish and and, uh, just all about me. And so rather than thinking in terms, my suggestion to you, rather than thinking in terms of does she deserve to come back, maybe you ought to think in terms of do I think I can love her? Do Do I think I can give myself to her again if she gives herself to me? So because because as soon as you start thinking in terms of whether the person deserves, you start thinking more in terms of reward and punishment. And reward and punishment typically is not a good way to think here. And so do you still love her? So 
I, I, I do run across, I'm sitting here looking at my first anniversary clock, personalized clock that she got me on my desk. And I'm sitting there going, well, if you're going to get rid of if you're, if you're, if you're the marriage is over, you need to get rid of it. And every time I think about getting rid of it, I can't do it. And so uh, that, that must mean something that I, I'm still it, holding on. It definitely on. means something. It definitely means something. Yeah. Here's what I recommend, Sean. You, of course, make your own decisions about your life. It's your decision to do. But if indeed some things open up, some possibilities exist, I would suggest, I would recommend to you that you don't write off the possibility as of yet. So don't, please don't think in terms of whether she deserves, you deserve, anybody deserves, because that just kind of gets you on the wrong track. But think in terms of, okay, this may not happen. You know, there may not ever be an opportunity. And if so, how do I deal with that? What do I do next? Or if the opportunity does present itself, am I willing to take that chance? That becomes the question for you now, not whether she deserves it, but whether you're willing to make a chance to put it back together if indeed that door opens. And as you understand, it may not open again based on what you're describing. Um, we're having to move on very quickly here, and I'm sorry to leave him, but we're almost out of time, Kimberly, and we've got so many more people out here waiting on us. I mean, a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick one point. Frank. Frank. Okay, we're going to go to Frank. We're going to go to Frank in Illinois. Hi, Frank. How may we help Hi. you today? Hi. Hi, sir. How are you? Um, mm-hmm. I'll make it quick because I know you don't have much time. Uh, mm-hmm. Back last February uh, or January, my brother passed away. And mm-hmm. uh, long story short, my daughter moved back in after having a bad relationship. Her and she's my biological daughter. Her and my wife had a falling out. It was a big mm-hmm. argument. I was devastated because of my brother's death. I didn't react quick enough she walked out on me because she said, I won't do anything about my daughter. She said that I always take her side. Long story mm-hmm. short, again, I ended up having my daughter move out. She was 27. She was only there for a few months, but my wife always had a problem with her. She had been out when she was 18. Um, we went through a lot of marriage counseling. I went through a lot of therapy. Uh, I have a real long history of uh, abuse. Uh, physical and emotional. My parents were not nice to me. I always felt kind of rejected, so I had a very severe depression mm. for a long time. I smoked a lot of I'm pot. I'm so sorry. And, uh, mm-hmm. right, I quit smoking pot about a year ago when that happened because I knew that was one of the things she didn't like. I worked on myself, and we made it back. And we went on a, a retreat, a marriage retreat, uh, Sedona, Seoul, and uh, we had a great time. And, and we went on another vacation, and everything seemed fine. We were making love a lot. Everything was happening great. We got back home, and um, I am very busy. I'm a very busy man, and since my positive attitudes come back, I've gotten even busier because everybody wants to hire me, and uh, uh, I own my own company. And um, what had happened was that there was some situations going on where she was getting mad that I wasn't spending enough time with her and it was because of my work. So when I did, her roommate was always there. She had moved out with her best friend. They signed a year lease. It's up in February. And anyway, again, to try and make a long story short, the roommate keeps on interfering. And then something happened. I was, I called her up to celebrate. I wanted her to go out to dinner. She took a bunch of hours. She showed up with her roommate. Her roommate said, why are you selling your house? Why don't you just stay there? I said, because gosh darn it, I want to be with my wife. And I can't do that because she won't come back to that house because she thinks it's my daughter's house. And uh, I said, look, listen, it sounds like you're more partner than me. I took off my wedding ring and I threw it to her. And that's what did it. And the next day she called me over for lunch and uh, she told me that she can't do it anymore. She was crying. She said that I'm just, that 
I haven't changed and that I'm very inconsistent. Now, sir, I am very inconsistent about my attitude. I never raise my voice. I'm usually a really nice guy, but I lost it on the roommate because I couldn't believe she was interfering like this. And plus, they were two hours late. And they were dressed up, and I didn't know what was going on, and I just I overreacted. And now, no contact. She hasn't talked to me since before Thanksgiving. And I'll be honest with you, I am worse this time than I was last time because mm. I just don't know what to do. I don't want to bother her. I'm not texting her. I'm not. I'm trying to leave her alone. But oh my gosh, I I'm hurting. I don't know what to do, sir. I am so, so sorry for your pain, Frank. I really am. I know that you're hurt deeply here. Mm-hmm. But And what I'm hearing, though, is that you've had a pattern of being hurt by people who should be loving and taking care of you for a long, long time, right? Yes. Okay. And so that scar tissue gets deep, Frank. I mean, it gets really deep. And I can understand your anger at the roommate because from your perception, that woman is standing between you and your wife. And I can understand even, you know, because of the fact that you have a history of being hurt, being abused, being used, that when they come in two hours late and they're dressed up, I know that your mind's going through where have they been or where are they going? And is there other people, are there other people involved? And I mean, I understand all those things. So your frustration, I get. Yet at the same time, even when we, even when we understand when we get so frustrated and been out of shape, as you know, it, if it, we allow that to lead us to doing something like throwing a ring, it has consequences. Now, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just telling you what you already know. I, I, what I recommend, don't. what I recommend, friend, is, are you getting any kind of help for your depression? Well, it's, I have been seeing, we, we have a coaching counselor, and, and now my wife won't talk to the counselor, so and she's blown off a couple, but I'm still talking to her. And, okay. Um, I know. Are, are you seeing a coach or a counselor? There's a there's a difference between those two. So are you seeing a coach or a counselor? Which one? I guess it would be a coach. I was with a therapist counselor, uh, but uh, I again I I really think I'm broken past a lot of the blame and, and living in my past. Well, I really okay. worked hard. I'm good. But, but are you still suffering from depression, my friend? Uh, I don't know. I okay. I mean if it means. Yes, I'm weak, staying up all night long. I can't eat. I can't function. Yeah, I guess okay. so, but I think it's worse. That's, that's depression. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. depression. That's mm-hmm. depression, Frank. Here's what I'm going to recommend. Mm-hmm. I recommend that you go online and type in PHQ, the letter P. Actually, it stands for Public Health Questionnaire, but it's called a PHQ, Public Health Questionnaire 9. Mm-hmm. Now, that means the nine-question version. It's all over the Internet. You can mm-hmm. find it. It is, not, it is not a diagnostic tool. It is a screening tool. Take it, Frank. Really, I, I recommend you take it, my friend, and and be honest with your scores. Now, at the bottom, it's going to give you, if you're scored this, we recommend you do that. If you score that, and somewhere along the line, and here's what I'm guessing is going to happen with you. I mean, I, I don't diagnose, but I'm guessing you're going to find that you are uh, at least moderately depressed, moderately depressed, if not clinically depressed. And if that's the case, then you really need some to find somebody who can help you with that. Now, that's not going to be a coach, right, Kimberly? No. Uh, coaches help you think through situations, mm-hmm. but they're, they do not do therapy or counseling. At least they're not supposed to. Not okay. And and you're going to need somebody. Now, if it were I, and you tell me, Kimberly, because you're the psychologist here, my PhD is in a different area than psychology. It's in marital satisfaction and sexual satisfaction. But if, if I were to take the PHQ-9 and it mm-hmm. shows that I need to see somebody, mm-hmm. I would think, you know, two things. 
One is you go find your physician. Absolutely. And you show your physician, whether that's an internist, or, you know, whatever, your mm-hmm. family doctor, whomever, mm-hmm. and you show him or her, here's my score. Mm-hmm. And, and they often will say, okay, for the short term, let's give you some meds that can mm-hmm. help. Yeah, no, it might wind up being long term, but at least for the short term, let's give you some meds. Mm-hmm. And then they go see a counselor therapist, not about your marriage, no. not about your marriage, but about your depression. And and the pain that you've been through, because my friend, the pain in your voice is palpable. Mm-hmm. I hurt for you, mm-hmm. and and a good therapist, particularly if aided by the right meds, mm-hmm. a good therapist can help you deal with all this pain deep deep inside of you. Mm-hmm. Now we hope that you can put your marriage back together, mm-hmm. but but and tell me if you disagree, Kimberly. No, the research, I think it starts with it does. The research backs that up. I mean, I don't have the percentages in front of me, but by far. It is the most effective to pair therapy with antidepressants in order for um, moving past that depression. And it doesn't have to be long term. But even and even on top of that, I mean, when you pair exercise and, and healthy diet on top of that, it just helps it that much more. Um, and I want to even say it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Does that sound right? But that anyway, there's research about it. Your physician would be aware of it as well. But please do that, you know. Uh, but you start there rather mm-hmm. than start with trying to save the marriage. Right. I mean, right now, number one, you can't do much. There's That's there's a right. lack of contact. And I don't even think that you, Frank, would be in the position to try because the emotions within you are going to block so much of just your pure effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's real depression, anxiety, panic attacks, all those things are real and they block our ability to process our emotions. That's correct. You know, mm-hmm. in, in it. So yes, we always recommend you deal with you as the person first. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you will still be able to address the issues with your marriage um, later. And we, I know you said you don't have any contact. We have things that we can help. We can't force contact, but Mm -hmm. through things that we offer, like our smart contact videos on YouTube and things like that, you might want to view later, but first we would want to recommend that you do this for Mm -hmm. sure. Which is what the young man from Tennessee was doing earlier. Mm -hmm. He had backed off Mm -hmm. and was working on him first Mm -hmm. because sometimes that's really what you have to do. If if the thing's going on with you, Mm-hmm. then deal with that. And you're saying, but wait a minute, that, that puts things off. Too much time passes. I need to save my marriage now. But if you are acting out of anger or mm-hmm. being uh, uh, impetuous mm-hmm. or those kinds of things, then we really, really strongly recommend that you really do need to start with you first. You've mm-hmm. got to get those things under control because you'll inevitably wind up doing things that you shouldn't do mm-hmm. that make the other thing even worse, that pushes the other person, your your husband or your wife, even further away. Mm-hmm. That's why you start with you first to make sure that you can get some control of yourself. Uh, well, I hear the pain in his voice, though. It's just heartbreaking to hear that pain. We run into those things all the time. Mm-hmm. Kimberly, this weekend we had, as you've already mentioned, 23 couples in our workshop. It was a mm-hmm. great workshop. Amazing. We always hope that it's 100% success. We, mm-hmm. I, and I really hope that all 100% of those couples make it because, as you said earlier, we get to caring about these people. We really do. Like, these are really good people. We care about every single one of them. They're all so amazing. <sighs> Most so of them amazing. do come from the United States of America, but they also come from other countries. And we had that again in this situation. And from even our fun, far-flung states like Hawaii and Alaska mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the online course, is it open or available right now? Not right now. No. Okay, but there's a Save My Marriage course out there that's open four times a year, it is. and and you've had that referred to. But here's what's mm-hmm. available today: go to YouTube, YouTube.com 
slash marriage helper. <laughs> like, is this a test? <laughs> marriage helper. And you can subscribe there. Yes, please subscribe. Absolutely. We're releasing new videos every single week, every Thursday. There's one coming out this Thursday, which is very pertinent to the holiday season. So be sure that you subscribe because you'll get notified when it comes out and you can be sure to watch it and it'll make a difference. Okay. Come to our website, marriagehelper.com, and you can call us if you want to talk to one of our client representatives mm-hmm. who can guide you to whatever resources we have. It's not a hotline, but they'll guide you sure. to whatever resources and we, we have. And we have another workshop. We have one final workshop for the month or for the year, <laughs> for the year okay. of 2019. So if you're thinking this is something you want to get in on, it's happening the weekend before Christmas. And yes, it already has very many couples in it. For those of you saying, yeah. who would yeah. want to do that? It It's, it, because who wouldn't want to enter into Christmas Day having a stronger marriage? That's that's the real question. But we starts the Friday before Christmas. It does. Uh, it's Christmas. the twenty first through the twenty third, and then we have our um, or twentieth through twenty second, whatever the dates are. And we've also released our twenty twenty calendar for the first part of twenty twenty as well. So you can go to our website and find out which dates we'll be having our workshops in January and February. Okay. Yeah, it's Friday the twentieth when the workshop starts. Okay. Great. The reason I know that is because the Friday before that is Friday the 13th. That's right. Okay. That is right. <laughs> Thank you for being part of our program. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Until mm-hmm. then, we pray that your life works well for you.